0: Ain't no regular Taz show It's the Friday Throwback Snack (laughs) Friday Throwback Snacks? Mm. Every Friday Taz takes an inside look at a classic match (laughs) This is how you kick off a weekend Alright guys, what's going on? What up, what up, what up? Uh, Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Taz Show Another throwback snack Here we go you know, I love these because I I feel like I get you guys rocking and rolling on a Friday, maybe listening to this like on the way home from work or on the way to work, or maybe you're uh, checking it out at the gym or just hanging out at home, smoking a nice cigar, whatever you're doing. Maybe it's the weekend, you're reading a newspaper, listening to a throwback snack via your boy Taz, whatever you're doing, it's appreciated. Maybe you're in the car. Maybe you're driving far, far away from your significant other because you're sick of he or her. That could be, maybe. But whatever it is, God bless you. Uh, I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate you downloading this on the uh, iTunes or Spotify or TuneIn, maybe the Radio.com app, TazShow.com. Whatever you're doing, you guys know I do appreciate it, and I I say it all the time because I mean it, and um, it's important to me. So. Uh, but, um, this particular throwback snack, um, you know, I, 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 I take pride on the matches I pick and, um, and the wrestlers that I pick to do these throwback snacks on. I'll bounce it off of some other people, friends of mine, some ideas before I do them, um, to see what they think. Uh, some a couple of guys are in the business or were in the business. Uh, one's not um sometimes i'll even ask Seth. i'll get his opinion because you know from a fan perspective maybe once in a while i'll message some of the fans get their opinion some of you guys that listen because you know I, you guys might you know, I, I, you guys might, uh, like something different that I don't. Some of you, some of you, you know, it's subjective, right? All matches, you know, some guys like some matches better than other guys. Some guys and girls might think this wrestler is great or that wrestler was awesome. Some might think, yeah, you know what? That guy really sucked. You know, so it, it's, it's subjective, right? <clears throat> but I think we could all agree on this particular tag team, um, that they weren't only a great tag team, but, <laughs> excuse me, but individually, these guys were just great workers. And who I'm talking about is On Anderson and Tully Blanchett. On uh, and Tully, and um, no matter their work in the NWA for all the years or into WWF, uh, which is, which I'm going to get into here in a second, uh, because this this uh, throwback snack, as you guys probably know by now, it is On and Tully as the Brain Busters, okay, against the team known as Demolition, who Demolition, I thought, were excellent. Um, and I will get into talking about them in a second, too. Um It's it's interesting. Uh uh the team of Onantully and then Demolition, because when I was thinking about this, I knew I wanted to do a throwback snack on, on and Tully in a tag match. And I'll probably do another one down the road. It'll probably be an NWA tag team match, which would not include Demolition because Demolition wasn't part of NWA. So to give some of you guys a little quick little uh, a quick little, uh what do you call it? history lesson. So Demolition, they were, you guys, most of you guys know who they are, but uh, they were kind of a, I don't want to use the word rip-off because it's not their fault. It was WWF at the time. They were kind of WWF's version of the Road Warriors, okay, Animal and Hawk. Uh, and you some would say also a quasi of the Powers of Pain that were also, you know, uh, Warlord and Barbarian that win WCW, I'm sorry, NWA also. And so, but the Road Warriors were the first ones to do all this stuff, to wear paint and to have leather and spikes and metal and look demonic and mean and huge and just crazy rock, heavy metal music. And, you know, uh, um, it, you know. so it, it, it's, um, the war, Road Warriors were the... <laughs> They were the originals. They were the OGs. I mean, they, that's it. It's really that simple. They were the guys. They they, they were the first. Now, I uh, wanted to do something here with On and Tully from the uh, WWF. But so much of their success was in the NWA, you know, with the Four Horsemen and everything. And, and, and again, I could get into that down the road here with another throwback snack. But I wanted to jump into a match from wwf uh for on and Tully as the brain busters because i don't know if there's different opinions i have on that of uh, when they made the move like how and and how it was different from what they were used to and all this jazz and how the business was then uh, i was just kind of uh getting ready to uh, you know i was i was in the business but i was green i was still getting tra- uh, trained while this match i'm gonna do which is from may 27th uh 1989 and it was a Saturday night main event, and this particular match went on. Tully versus the let's just say the Brainbusters, the Brainbusters uh, versus um, Demolition. I'm watching it, I'm going to be watching this on the WWE Network. Now there are um, several matches. <clears throat> excuse me of uh, the Brainbusters versus uh, Demolition on YouTube, but I wanted to do this one from Saturday night main event on the WWE Network. I apologize if some of you don't have the WWE Network. I assume a lot of you do. Uh, you know, being wrestling fans and stuff, uh, you know, I know it's not cheap. It's 10 bucks a month. You know, for some folks, that's expensive, and that's totally understandable. So if you don't have it, I apologize. You could still listen to the Throwback Snack, and and you could watch one of the matches on YouTube. Even though it won't be the same match, it's not like I'm doing play-by-play or color commentary on the match. I'm just giving you an overview of thoughts on the, the wrestlers, per se, in that match and that during that era, that time. So, for me, in 1989, I had... Um, I broke in in 87, so I had a couple of years under my belt, but I was, you know, still green and still learning. Um, um, but Saturday Night Main Event, you know, uh, was a huge thing. It was on NBC, broadcast TV, and it was on Saturdays, obviously. And it was a huge, huge thing for them, for WWF at that time. And it was bringing wrestling to, uh, you know, mainstream television. It wasn't cable. You know, at the time, wrestling was on cable. You know, and obviously for you younger folks, this is <laughs> before mobile devices and tablets and, you know, laptops and stuff. This was when people just watched television for, for content or listen to the radio. So, uh, but most wrestling was on cable TV. So what they did here with Saturday Night's Main Event, uh, through the relationship with Vince McMahon uh, and Dick Ebersole, uh, the the guy that was running the ship with NBC, uh, you know, hence how the whole XFL thing happened years later and all that stuff, uh, which segues into the USA deal because it's owned by NBC Broadcasting and, and all this other boring TV top, uh, talk. Regardless, there was that relationship and that friendship with Dick Ebersol and Vince McMahon. So, um They got this deal here, um, you know, uh, Saturday Night's Main Event on TV, and they had a good run. I don't remember how long it was on uh, on Saturday nights on NBC, but it was great. I used to watch as much as I could back then, and uh, a lot of the matches were good. I mean, they were real good, and the houses were packed um this particular set main event i know uh hulk hogan is in this he goes against the big boss man a big steel cage match for the WWE championship and then uh demolition which i will talk about in this with that'll be the throwback snack defend their tag team titles against on and tully uh then known as the brain busters so again may 27 1989 so you know this was um this time during wrestling you know i guess i'll get into this uh you know you know i'll do my normal thing and go to break in a second but then and then we get into the match i'll talk um about you know how things were back then in 89 the mindset of the overview feel of wrestling and the mindset of wrestlers uh like i said i was a kind of a rook i had a couple years in the game but i knew enough guys and and was really honing my craft and stuff like that so i knew the 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 major premise of the business and what was going on and I was I was wrestling enough independence then and and training still training heavily you know at that time with uh, Johnny Rods so in Brooklyn so I was already trained and and licensed as a pro wrestler but uh you know I was um you know I also was learning from Uh, other guys in the independence veterans to me while i was out there and working on and again this was before they were called independence and a lot of times real quick not to get into this but like when i was training at the dojo uh with rods and i was you know i had um some time under my belt you know a lot of junior wrestlers under me i would you know johnny would say hey go you know work with this guy show him how to lock up teach him how to take a bump little basic stuff uh, cause that stuff I had, you know, down like the back of my hand. Um, but then you'd get some, <clears throat> excuse me, some veteran guys would come in to work out in the gym sometimes in, in the dojo and, and I would get to learn from them and wrestle with them and, and stuff like that. So, and that, that's what sort of reminds me during those, uh, late eighties, uh, you know, when I was just getting rolling in the business and guys like, uh, one guy who I've talked about before on the Taz show is Ted Petty uh the late great ted petty which who was a great guy I loved him to death and he was a cheetah kid and uh you guys know him from ecw fame from public enemy Flyboy, rock or rock and you know teddy was uh, i've talked about him enough and helped me a lot and whenever he would get a chance to come he lived in jersey so whenever he would come around to work out uh you know at the school uh i was all ears just trying to learn from teddy so that that you know i hear those years uh 1988, you know, 89, you know, I, I, 90, I think of that, you know, I think of, uh, you know, the frustration of not making it yet because I was very impatient then. And as I got older, I'm probably still more impatient, but that's a whole nother topic for another podcast. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'll get into deeper, the deeper convos during the match, <laughs> excuse me about all this stuff. And during that era in the wrestling business, so, uh, and we'll get into it, like I said, this will be on the uh, WWE Network, a Saturday Night's main event, uh, and this is from May 27th, 1989, and it's the uh, Brain Busters uh, getting a shot at the Demolitions Tag Team title. So I'll get into that in a, a, a second or two here. First, I want to let you guys know that the support for the tag Show comes directly from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan. See, they understand that the home plays a big role in your life and family. And you know what, guys, that's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same exact level of confidence that you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. And the best part is it's simple. Rocket Mortgage, it's a simple, easy process. We've had people call the TAS Show that have gotten a mortgage through using this code that I have and my connection and my love for Rocket Mortgage, by Quick Loans, and their love for me, that have gotten their first home. We've heard this. You guys know what I'm talking about. Most of you do. So whether you're looking like that dude for, to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence you need to make an informed decision, and a smart decision for yourself, your finances, and for your family. So this is what I need you to do. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, and go mortgage confidently. And to do that, you got to get started by going to rocketmortgage.com slash Taz. That's rocketmortgage.com T-A-Z. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. That's uh, Rocket Morgans by and Loans. All right. We're going to go to break real quick here. When we get back from break, we'll jump right into this match. Saturday night's main event on the WWE Network, uh, May 1989, May 27, 1989. Uh, the Demos versus The Busters. Uh, Tasho, Show, sit tight. Be right back. Alright guys, we're back here on the Taz Show. So we're going to get right into this match here. This throwback snack. Demolition versus On Anderson Tully Blanchard. The Brain Busses. Again, 1989. This is Sad Night's Main Event. Uh, gave you the date in the first segment. You know the whole gimmick in the Schneebus and the Furnham and the, the Burnham. So, uh, that's the dealio. So, we're going to get rolling here on this thing here. Uh, just to let you guys know, I'm going to hit play here. Right, This was right after... Just you're probably gonna pause after I tell you this so you can find where I am I I already saw the brain busters entrance and I already saw the uh, the interview that they did with gene oakland Meaning, uh, the demo the demolition. So, uh, actually, you know what? Maybe let's start this thing up. Let's start it right um Oh, what the hell? Let's get crazy. We'll start it right at the the brain busters entrance So i'll pause for a sec and now you probably are back, listen to me. Okay, so you see, um, obviously the great, the great, ever great, Bobby Heenan manag- managing, uh, the brain himself managing on until, and telling on and just about making their way in the ring right now. And uh, my man Howard Finkel's doing the ring announcing. This is classic WWF stuff right here. I mean, now they go backstage and we see uh, Demolition, who look great. What another guy who I love dearly, Mean Gene Oakland, uh, interviewing them. So, uh, as a matter of fact, he contends that this is going to be his night. What do you have to say about that, Axe Mean Gene? I say this is a night of champions. Very rogue Warrior Hawk esque, <laughs> by Bill Eadie. <laughs> we got the belts. All right, Splash, you beat the powers of pain and Mister Fuji in WrestleMania Five, but tonight, can you beat Bobby Heenan and the Brainbusters on Saturday night's main event? We'll him. We're the demolition. so you see so how it was back then you know and I, by the way i know some folks not some very minor yeah i'm not gonna do that here's the thing <laughs> change my mind here's the thing um those interviews they used to do those were pre-taped those were backstage and those were probably early in the day and um not like it is today where you'll watch raw And those guys and girls will be interviewed a lot of times right before they go to the ring or right when they get back. to get that real organic feel. Back then, most of the stuff was pre-taped. Still today, I know in my time at WWE and in TNA and even today, stuff is still pre-taped. I'm not saying nothing's pre-taped, a lot of stuff's pre-taped. But the way they did that interview there with demolition is definitely something that was pre-taped early in the day. Um, this I don't I, I can just tell you this. This building they're in is this arena is completely packed, jammed. Uh, during that time in the eight late eighties, as you guys know, WWF uh, was was hot, uh, NWA was hot, um, and for Vince McMahon to grab a lot of these guys, you know, like Arn and Tully, who, who were part of the Four Horsemen, and all the success they had, you never thought they would leave, uh, and there was always that divide of nwa and um you know uh, uh, wwf and when guys would jump and flip over i nice spotted drop down and then uh gets caught in a bear hug does tully Blanchard by the man formerly known as the repo man <laughs> and now doubling up on him in the corner but um you know uh, the thing is during that time man guys were uh the business was hot business was hot and it really was that thing like you were like I, I don't want. i was from the north i was from new york so i i used to watch more wwf then than i did nwa just because the part of the country i lived in but there was that divide where you either were like I i don't want to exaggerate and say you were either one of the other a fan of but that's kind of how it was i mean folks from down south were, were digging nwa more, more than folks from up north because they were getting it more So, Bill Eadie was a great worker um, for a big man. He was also a mass superstar. Him and Arn Anderson right now, two just tremendous hands, tremendous talents. Uh, And you could see, even then, like the physicality these guys were bringing. And this was the late 80s when WWF was full of big, giant, huge guys. That were some, I'm not saying these four guys, but some of them were not Ultra athletic. Some of the guys WWF had back then were not super athletes. They were just big, thick, gigantic, tall, monstrous men. Um, as we know, the business has changed a bit for the better, I feel, for more athletes as opposed to just big, giant guys. Uh, so, a nice heat spot right there where uh, Arn Anderson throws a nice knee in the back while uh, Smash was uh, distracted by Tully Blanchard. What was that axe? Smash! My bad. Yeah, smash. I said smash. It's been a lot of years that I remember these guys were. Well, big body slam uh, by uh, smash, and now it's just they're just throwing around on the Tully, and now uh, Axe slams Tully Blanchard right near the ropes, and they do the screaming and stick the tongue out, very Road Warrior esque. I mean, there was no hiding the fact that they were biting off the Road Warriors, and you know, back then, like. So here's the thing that I want to tell you. Like, a lot of the stuff here, the match, I'm not pausing. I'm going to keep it rolling. A lot of the stuff back then, like, you could, they were just stealing guys' gimmicks in different territories because, like I just said about, there was no such thing. A lot of stiff chops here by Tully into uh, Axe, and then Axe brings the offense. Um, A lot of WWF fans had no clue who the Road Warriors were. So when they saw these big guys, leather, spiked up with paint, meaning uh, the demolition, WWF fans, they just thought it was this cool new tag team. Because there was no social media. And and like I said, a lot of fans, if they were NWA fans, they were NWA fans. They weren't WWF fans. Now, there was some crossover fans, but it wasn't a lot. The bulk of the fans that are packed in this building there at Saturday Night's Main Event, a lot of them at that time didn't even know the Road Warriors were. You know, I'm just giving you an overview. And it wasn't just the, the teams like the Road Warriors or the top talent like the world warriors and and demolition well, bobby took a bump there, got kicked in the head by tully inadvertently and obviously on the on the uh play-by-play and the color uh, commentary the play-by-play is Vince McMahon and jesse the body ventura is doing the color commentary now both on and tully are trying to hold back uh bobby heenan from getting in the ring like he's pissed it's pretty funny And it's a perfect time for him to go to a commercial break. See, commercial break, Jones, um, because it was broadcast TV. So you didn't, you know, back then it was, you know. Oh, by the way, Bobby Heenan's still out there. I thought he was going to the locker room. I guess not. I probably saw this match back in there. I just just haven't seen it in a long time. But the physicality uh, is definitely there, which that's what I wanted to see. Because back then. You know, in the late 80s, you know, even into the early 90s, you know, there wasn't sometimes a lot of physicality because you would get a bad rep if you were too physical and stiff in the ring. Um, But these guys are veterans, all four of them, and they're bringing it. I mean, they're bringing it and they know they're on big time TV. And, uh, and Bill Eadie, again, like I said, a very underrated worker for a man his size. For, you know, I think he would have transcended well in today's world, even though he's such a large guy. <clears throat> he's such a large guy, I should say. He, he was very physical, very athletic. Uh, his work looked very legitimate. Um, obviously, Anatoly can just get over in any age. I was just a huge fan of both these guys and their work and everything about them. And that's also, like, so On and Tully, when they came in, you know, again, they were part of a, a NWA, the Four Horsemen, wrestlers, wrestlers, you know, just, just boots and, and knee pads and, and and trunks, nothing fancy, just nylon trunks, old school, you know, and uh, back in the day, because I know I used to get my gear and, and you either wore spandex trunks or nylon trunks or tights. Uh, nylon was... You know a little cheaper than the spandex <laughs> but spandex was very fancy <laughs> that's what was looked at as fancy so like for example the demolition they were in spandex trunks with like rhinestones or studs on it uh where <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing this up for a reason we're, we're on where where are on just regular nylon trunks i know the place in ohio where they bought those trunks because they were one of the key uh, companies that sold gear and wrestlers nice to buy my stuff there um but anyway um uh, on and Tully, at least when they came over, they didn't get put in some ridiculous goofy gimmick. Because back then there were tons of goofy gimmicks. And now uh, the heels got the heat. The Brain Buster's got the heat right now on Smash. And then uh, Tully does his strut around the ring uh, towards uh, the piss-off uh, axe on the uh, apron. While they get a bunch of heat. While the referee is... Is distracted by an uh, axe in the ring. So, old tag team 101 psychology right there. But, like I was saying, when they came in, uh, the, 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 on the Tully, they did not get put in some ridiculous gimmick. They kept their real names. The only thing that was added was the name The Brain Busters, which, because they had Bobby the Brain Heenan as their manager. Otherwise, they had them talk and work the same way they did in NWA. And back then, they would take you and just change your gimmick like uh, Terry Taylor came over around the same time and he was part of Bobby Heenan's stable and he was called the Red Rooster. You know, and the gimmick was, it was like, you know, bo- the gimmick was Bobby Heenan was trying to make Terry Taylor, the Red Rooster, a better wrestler, like going to make him a star. So they were implying that like Terry wasn't good. Terry was a very good worker, like for a long time. And then they put this goofy ass gimmick on him with the Red Mohawk, the Red Rooster. <laughs> but that was WWE back then. That's how it was. WWF, I should say, back then. And we're just seeing solid, I'm sorry I veered off the match, but we're just seeing solid tag team work here. This is is classic tag team psychology that still is implied today by so many young wrestlers. Because this psychology, the heat on one guy, works. It's done the right way and you got a guy now. Was talented enough like Smash, who keeps coming back. And, and on is going punch for punch foot uh, uh smash in the corner. And now they're fighting out of the corner. And now double knockout. They're both down on Anderson and um and Smash. And this was smart psychology back then, where can the baby face get to the other baby face to get the big pop? And what'll probably happen is the babyface will make the tag right after. Uh, right, right at the same... Oh, it looks like Tully's getting off the apron, so that's not going to happen. He's going to cut the tag off. So, Tully's going to come around. I'm sorry I'm leading the audience to stop Axe on the apron. I thought they were going for a hot, what we call a hot tag, but they're, they're not doing it yet. It's coming. They're just... They're building. So, yeah, we saw Tully pull Axe Billy off the apron, which now they can continue on. Anderson <clears throat> can continue his heat on uh, Smash and just popped Axe off the apron, so... They're going for a delayed hot tag. And now Billy said enough. Smash, he's coming. Maybe they're not going <laughs> to. It just might be a DQ. Smash and Axe are in the ring. Oh, there goes the ref. I smell a bell coming. They're just beating up um, the, ba- the heels now. Uh, the Demolition's is just beating up. And there's the bell. Yeah, see, this is what used to happen back in the day uh screw job finish jones i mean this used to happen all the time you know and and those were things that which is a whole nother topic but i'll get th- i'll get into that in a second here it was a you know i'm trying not to curse as much on these podcasts but it was a you know a screw job screw job finish where it was a dq and then they give the victory to the heels but obviously the, the titles don't change hands you know so Oh, now they're going to do some physicality on the outside here. So, this reason why they do this, to be honest with you, <laughs> is to give the people a little more bang for their buck because they know the audience is pissed off because they didn't get a finish. And um, so they have the guys fighting the aisle way all the way to the back. Man, that place is packed. Um, and now the heels run off as the baby faces run them off. So... So you do that so people try not to go home pissed off about what they just saw and that they got screwed. Even though uh, fans back then weren't as educated to the business like they are now, they knew enough when there wasn't a legitimate finish in a match, where there wasn't a guy getting pinned or given up via submission. They understood that that, that they didn't know it was a screw job, but that's what it was. So that used to happen a lot. And uh, all the companies were doing it. Doing it. And it was bad. It was bad for the business. Um, it hurt the business because they took advantage of people buying into the worked industry known as pro wrestling. The the which everyone knew was a work, <clears throat> but they would suspend their 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 belief for what's real and not real, and get sucked into the to this male soap opera uh, because it was mostly male wrestlers back then, and the females were. In it, but not to the level as now, which is a good thing now because female wrestling is very dominant, which is great. But my point is they did not care. Like they didn't care about the audience in the sense of they could screw them over left and right instead of coming up with some creative way, which in that particular match, they obviously wanted to keep the tag team titles on demolition on the baby faces. So uh, they wanted to give a big match to Saturday Night's main event. So they can maybe get a rating on NBC. So let's give them this big match and let's screw them. That stuff happened all the time and not just WWF. It's, um, it hurt the business. And it was, I remember, I remember like when I was coming up during that time and it was just accepted in locker rooms anywhere. Not just if you worked for one of the big companies, but you know, if you were working independence or whatever, like you didn't want to do jobs. Because if you did jobs, you would get a bad reputation that you were just losing, and then if you got signed to AWA or World Class or WWF or or NWA, it was a bad stigma on you that you were a jobber, that you were a job boy Jones. You know, so you didn't want that. You know what I mean? So even it trickled down, it trickled down to to the lower levels of pro wrestling then, and that was the mindset. And and I was the same way. We all were like that. No one wanted to do jobs, but. You know, you didn't want to bitch about it because then you could get a bad rep in that regard, too. And I talked about that in the past. A lot of guys, including me, would keep hoods, keep masks, wrestling masks in their gear bag in case you were on a show and they want the promoter needed you to put someone over and they wanted you to lose and you needed the money, which I need the money. And I, I didn't do that a lot. I didn't get asked to do it a lot. But, you know, you always, most guys, a lot of guys had a mask with them, <laughs> a different set of tights or something, you know, uh, just in case, you know, it. It was extra money, and and but but the point is, they, they they would do these screw job finishes, and 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 work the audience by put a big match like that with Brain Busters versus Demolition at that time in 1989 on NBC on Sadness Main Event, and then f the people, you know that's what the, the audience watching, and uh, you know and I think if you talk to Vince McMahon now about it, he would admit admit that how, that's how it was back then. Um, their goal was not, oh, let's screw the audience. Their goal was, no, nah, no, nah, they didn't care. Saying they didn't care is not cool. I don't want to say they didn't care. It was not relevant to them what the audience thought. And this is the reason why. Because you, the audience, you, the wrestling fan, back then had no voice. You had no voice, you had no Twitter to communicate back towards wrestlers and promotions you had no instagram you had no facebook you, you 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 had there was no focus groups there was no uh nothing there was no chance of heckling where the audience would heckle you know wrestlers or, or promotions if they were you know the, if they were screwing the people over like that that fans weren't like that that's not how it was there a lot of a lot of the WWF fans were young kids with their parents And these parents didn't know anything about inside stuff, and they didn't know about a screw job finish or uh, that guy didn't want to do a job. They didn't even know what the hell that meant. That's a different language to them. And little kids, they just wanted to see these big uh, circus-looking wrestlers that, oh, man, look how cool that guy looks. He's like a giant with all those muscles, and he's got paint. That's all, you know, kids, right? (laughs) So, you know it's a different mindset now. It's a totally different mindset. It's harder actually for these younger guys and girls because the audience is much more sophisticated, much more educated to the industry. Therefore, there's much more demands on your performance, not only as a wrestler, but as a promotion to how you book the matches, which is good because there's pressure on the promotion. There's pressure on the wrestlers, which pressure is good. It makes you better. And if you suck and you can't deal with pressure, then you go away. That's how it works. And I'm not trying to be a douche or be a mean. I'm just being honest. That's just life. That's not wrestling. That's just life. Um, dealing with pressure and succeeding or not, right? The old cliche, what's diamonds are made under pressure. Well, diamonds are pretty nice, right? So, uh, you know, that, that, that stuff, the way promotions were back then and screwing people over, you'd see it on TV. Like they would go to, we ran out of time, sorry. NWA did that a lot. We ran out of time, sorry. They're like in the middle of a match where the finish is about to come. Like, what the you know, that was but it wasn't anybody in, in the booking trying to be mean. They thought they were doing something that was good to hook the audience for next week. Inadvertently, it ends up turning people off, you know. So um they don't have faith in what the what the product is, you know, but back then. In that time, uh, during 1989, and I've had the opportunity back then to be in the WWF locker room more than once and wrestle tryout matches, probably twice. I've talked about that before. And when I tell you it was the land of the giants, Lordy B, it was the land of the freaking giants. These guys were like dinosaurs. They were monstrously huge and um uh, just giant tall. Everybody was just tall, tall, tall. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, you know, but... I built a chip on my shoulder to have a good match and um, and to try and impress. I mean, it, it didn't work the, the couple times. I didn't get the job, but, you know, it may be better and built character in me. But I'm just saying, like, the WWF locker room back then, man, those guys were on the road a lot. I mean, those guys were getting killed on the road. They were never home. A lot of them were doing these, I don't remember, you, you know, you guys might know more than me, but of there's been so many different interviews online or stuff you read. Some of the times they were doing like 15 days on the road straight, 16 days and like two, three days off. Like that's like insane, maybe more. I mean, just killing your body. And that's why unfortunately so many of the guys got hooked on pain pills because they were trying to survive or got hooked on alcohol and drugs. And it's just their bodies, you only make money by working. And a lot of those guys, you know, they weren't making the money people think they were making back then. It they, they wasn't like that. I mean, it wasn't like they were making like tons and tons and tons of money, these guys. So, it, it, you know, it wasn't. There wasn't guaranteed contracts. It was, you know, uh, some of the guys were just, okay, you know, you, you, you're guaranteed whatever it is, you know, uh, X amount of dollars per match. And it wasn't like they were getting paid like a 1000 bucks a match and they were doing all these matches. They weren't. A lot of them weren't. So, it was tough. They had a tough. And if they weren't able to work, it was next man up. It was a, a very passive-aggressive feel. Uh, if you weren't able to go, no problem. Next, <laughs> that's just the way the way it goes. And that's the stuff fans don't know or don't think about. And nor should you. You know, you better enjoy the show. Uh, but <laughs> it was a little bit of a different era then. I mean, guys, unfortunately, would, were handled like pieces of meat. Uh, no union shop. And there's still no union, no union shop. But the talent, uh, because there's different, um, you know, it's just uh, the companies are ran different. Uh, you know, namely WWE. I mean, it's it's ran like a legitimate pro sports team and a business, and the talents dealt with a lot better and injuries and concussions and you're taken care of, and they they they, they try and their damnedest not to. Uh, be an abusive workplace and they're not I mean I know my time there I know there's been reports that ah, if you get hurt they didn't care and I got to tell you like I've said a million times I'll say it again I've been hurt while I work for WWE and I was always taking care of uh, Vince McMahon himself talking to me and like you know I have no complaints the best doctors taking care of me trainer doing a great job like everything and I've seen it with other guys, too. So I just only can speak on my experience, you know. But I know years back, it wasn't like that. It was different. I mean, guys were treated like pieces of meat. And I just think there was less education, not just to the fan base, but to, to the promoters, uh, you know, uh, to, to the Crockett's, to Vince McMahon. And I, it was just different to, to Vern Gagne, you know, uh, Von Eric in Texas. It, it was a different mindset that the promoters weren't as sophisticated as today and weren't... Um, And by the way, I've heard some horror stories about how some of these young wrestlers have treated on independence and how some of them don't even get paid, which is just a load of freaking crap that really pisses me off. Um, That feels like something like we've regressed, you know, and and I hope that's not the case. But I've heard those horror stories. uh, Truly, I have. So, but anyway, uh, for lack of better terms, I I think that the business is uh, 10 times better than it used to be so for the talent for the fans everything across the board so um, and that's that so i do hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the throwback snack uh tag team edition yeah so we'll be back live live tuesday hope you guys have a great one be safe i appreciate the support and the love don't forget to rate me on the itunes and put me over don't be a jobber i'm taz you're not take care guys I was raised in the days of my space and screen names Back then when I was only worried about my top friends Now my circle is getting smaller All these people acting fake, man And to be honest, I don't even have a top 10 Me against the world I've been doing what I really love Haters been hot.